As the choir goes back to the stalls, I'll tell you a joke that fell at 9 a.m. and see if it works for you. A little boy was sick on Palm Sunday and stayed home from church to rest. His father returned from church holding a palm branch. The little boy was curious, and so he asked Dad, why do you have that palm branch? And his father responded, well, when Jesus came into town, everyone gathered along the street and waved palm branches in the air to honor him. And the little boy responded, darn, the one Sunday I miss church, Jesus comes back to town. <laughs> All right, more awake than I am. Let us pray. Gracious God, oil the hinges of our hearts' doors that they may swing gently and swiftly to welcome your coming. Amen. Two processions entered Jerusalem on that spring day in the year 30 AD or so. Enter stage right from the east, the familiar procession, the one we are here to commemorate this morning. Jesus on a donkey, followed by his disciples, peasants laying down cloaks and palm branches before his path. Enter stage left from the west, a different procession. Pilate, the Roman governor, the emperor's direct representative, lord of all the region, marching through the city, high on his imperial chariot, soldiers to his left and to his right, there were swords and helmets, shields gleaming with the reflection of the sun, horses galloping, bridles clinking, drums beating, and the swirling of dust. Every year, the Roman governor would ride up to Jerusalem from his palace, which was on the coast, to be present in the city of Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. During the festival, the city's population would swell, and the governor would parade through the city in all of his imperial majesty to remind the Jewish pilgrims that Rome was still in charge. They might be gathered to commemorate an ancient victory of their overthrow of Egypt, their victory against their oppressors, but a real present-day resistance was futile because Rome would be watching. So if we thought that Jesus' procession was an accident, if we thought his ragtag parade was a simple coincidence or an act of spontaneous adoration, we would be wrong. For Jesus, his entrance into the city that day was a clear, well-planned counter-procession. It was an act of protest, a street drama. Everything he does that morning pokes fun at Pilate's grand imperial military procession. Jesus rides into the city on the back of a donkey, not a horse or a chariot, but a donkey. And we can imagine his feet dragging upon the ground, kicking up dust, just like Pilate. His disciples gathered around him with palm branches and cloaks, not swords or shields. So as Pilate clanged and crashed his imperial way into Jerusalem from the west, Jesus approached from the east, looking by contrast foolish and absurd. While Pilate's procession was one of the powerful, the status quo and the empire, Jesus was the procession of the ridiculous, the powerless, 
and the explicitly vulnerable. And the dueling processions were both political, very political, but also deeply and boldly theological. For Pilate, his procession of military might of gold and silver, of weaponry and pageantry, was to give glory to the emperor alone. For Caesar, the emperor, was Lord and Savior. He was the self-proclaimed Son of God. He was divine. For the politically powerful in Rome, the only God worth worshiping was the emperor. And everything he did, the power he wielded, the violence he exerted, was done with godly authority. So Jesus' mock procession stood in theological contrast to Pilate, a procession against a domination system that was created in the name of God, a political and religious system radically different from the coming reign of God that Jesus promised, in which God dwells not in the powerful, but in the powerless. Pilate's procession embodied the power, the glory, and the violence of an empire that ruled the world, and that was supported by a twisted and cruel understanding of God's authority. Jesus' procession embodied an alternative vision, which is the reality of God's promise. That's how this Holy Week begins how the Christian story takes its shape in the clash of allegiances. Palm Sunday announces the central conflict of this Holy Week. It's a conflict that continues wherever injustice and violence abound. And it's a conflict that so complicates the hope of an easy Christian life. For we live in a two-procession world. We have long experienced Caesar-like leaders and their followers who, in contrast to the peace and mercy offered by Jesus, establish empires of their own power, their own wealth and violence, while claiming God's blessing and authority. Palm Sunday is about making a choice, a very public choice, between those two processions and between those two allegiances. For Jesus and his disciples, the procession through Jerusalem was a moment their faith truly entered the public eye, and the stakes became real. It was the moment they took a very public stand against the empire, against violence, oppressive power, and against a broken and cruel theology. It was the moment that the purposes of our Christian faith became abundantly clear. Palm Sunday forever destroys any notion that we Christians are obsessed with an otherworldly religion alone, concerned only with life in the hereafter. On Palm Sunday, Jesus takes our faith public, calls his disciples to live their lives and make their witness in the world here and now, to make a choice, to pick a side, God's way or Caesar's way. God's way or not. The way of mercy and compassion or the way of judgment and bitterness. The way of generosity or the way of scarcity. The way of better together or doing it alone. The way of the poor or not. 
the way of LGBTQ plus youth or not, the way of black lives or not, the way of a good creation or not. For the 21st century Christian, for us, Palm Sunday is about a choice. It's about our allegiance. It's for us to choose. Jesus gave his endorsement. It's up to us to make a decision and follow. Palm Sunday it just might be one of the most important days of the Christian year, a day of two processions, a day when love confronts power, a day when love loves enough to become vulnerable and to risk everything, the first day of the week in which love will die and destroy death, a day on which he comes to you and to me to invite us to follow, to make our choice, and to cast our lot with him and his reign, God's way or Caesar's way. So if you're ready to join that procession, if you're ready to make that choice, if you're ready to join that kingdom, say amen. amen. Hosanna.